Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right, so uh, we are going to continue with our Won't You Be My Neighbor message series. Um, last week we talked about the first part where we explored the um, the passage of the, the Good Samaritan where Jesus was talking about it and the, the man was trying to test Jesus and ask this question, well, who is my neighbor? And we talked a lot about, you know, it's not really about who it is, but really we're supposed to be neighbors. Well, today I want to continue that thought through a little bit further, but before we do, I just wanted to uh, talk a little bit more about kind of why we're doing this series. You know, this week in Pittsburgh um, for World Kindness Day, uh, WQED, um, which is the TV public public broadcast um, TV station here, declared Wednesday Cardigan Day in honor of Mr. Rogers. And I don't know if you saw the pictures of the little babies uh, at McGee Hospital. They were dressed in little cute red cardigans on, uh, I think it was Wednesday, right? Um, you know, in sneakers and little khaki pants. It was really cute, right? And I And again, I thought to myself... It is uncanny how famous someone can be and for being kind and having neighborly behavior. That someone is so famous and so honored in our secular society for being neighborly and kind. And so this series, Won't Ye Be My Neighbor, Won't Ye? Won't Ye Be My Neighbor? <laughs> you know, the pirates, won't ye be my neighbor? <laughs> Uh, this <laughs> series, <laughs> Won't You Be My Neighbor, was inspired by Mr. Rogers, but his life was inspired by the teaching and command of Jesus to love your neighbor as yourself. It is a command for all of us. That's the thing I think that I want to, and I think sometimes pastors don't like to talk about at church, right? There are commands in God's Word. We don't like to be told what to do. We like to think of God's Word as a suggestion sometimes, or as like, it's an interpretation. And there are spaces in which we do have to interpret, you know? There are spaces in which, even where Paul, the Apostle, uh, admits that there are gray areas within our faith, you know, where, where one really feels strongly about an area and another doesn't, and so we have to come together in those spaces. But let's be clear. There are very clear commands in Scripture. And one of them, and that you can't get away from, is love your neighbor as yourself, which is both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So you can't even just say, well, it's the Old Testament. We don't have to, like, which is biblically untrue anyway. But um, it is a command for all of us. And so what we're doing in this series is we're discussing what being a neighbor really means. And so like I mentioned last week, who is my neighbor is what the question we asked. And we explored the parable of the Good Samaritan and discovered that Jesus is calling us individually to challenge our assumptions about who neighbors, who our neighbors are. Um, there's a lot underlying in each one of us, biases and, and, and habits and thought process stereotypes and all sorts of things that cause us to, to ask the question, even subconsciously, who is my neighbor and treat some different than others and we're more neighborly to others than, than some. And Jesus wants our energy spent on being a neighbor rather than wondering who our neighbors are. If you find yourself thinking about who your neighbor is, you're missing the point. We need to be spending our energy being one. Well, this week, I want to continue our discussion about being a neighbor. 
And next week, we're going to not really have much of a teaching. It's going to be a brainstorming session where we're going to talk as a church family about how we want to physically, as a church, be neighbors in our city. Um, And I think that's important, not just for your pastor to say, hey guys, here's what we're going to do. I think in order for a group like this, who we're a family, we all need to buy into it and come to an agreement on the things that we think are the most important areas that God is leading us to do. So that's, so I want you to be thinking about that this week. And so I think what we'll talk about today is going to feed into that. So hopefully um, by the time we're done today, you'll start to have some thoughts and ideas about how you can think about um, this week and then come next week with some thoughts and ideas for our discussion. So, but let's continue today in our discussion about being a neighbor by asking the question, well, what does it mean to be a neighbor? If last week we asked the question, who is my neighbor? Well, this week we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a neighbor? And what I mean by that is like, what, what's actually expected of us? What is expected of us? How do we know if we are measuring up to a godly neighborly expectation? How do we know if we're truly loving our neighbor as ourselves? What steps can we take to be a neighbor? And so I wanted to start with a a quote that I found on the internet this week. I thought it was an interesting statistic that I think is a challenge for each of us. Um, It says this, according to the 2017 Charities Aid Foundation World Giving Index, that's a lot, (laughs) the Charities Aid Foundation's World Giving Index, the nation with the highest ranking of kindness to strangers. Any guesses? Sweden. Sweden? Highest kindness, highest ranking of kindness to strangers. Where? Canada. 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 Oslo. Oslo, Norway. Norway. According to the 2017 Charities Aid Foundation World Giving Index, the nation with the highest ranking of kindness to strangers was Iraq. Listen to this. A war-torn country that was fighting to end their occupation by ISIS. Indeed, such is the power and long-standing tradition of hospitality in Iraq that despite desperate living conditions, eight out of ten Iraqis have helped someone they don't know. I was floored by that by that statistic. I just I'm I'm just amazed by that statement. Just two years ago. This wasn't like, you know, like it was 20 years ago or anything. Um, the world's highest ranking of kindness to strangers. And so what it says at the end there is, is that indeed, such is the power and long-standing tradition of hospitality in Iraq. And I thought about that, that I know that that's to be true. I know that Middle Eastern culture is incredibly hospitable. Um, and so... I thought about that, and then I thought, but isn't Christianity also known for a long-standing tradition of radical hospitality? I think of the bubonic plague, and I think about how Christians ran into plague-infested areas um, at great peril to themselves, and yet were there taking care of the dying, Um, and Christians are known for that historically. 
we're known for uh, the, the kind of hospitality of, like we see in the book of Acts, where they, um, they sold all their possessions and they shared amongst themselves and they laid down their rights as rich rulers and you know slaves and they all were one and they welcomed everyone, former prostitutes, uh, leaders and political figures and you know individuals who were sick and um, poor and at the time like women who were not highly regarded in society and they were all welcome. They went out of their way in kindness to strangers. What does it look like for us to be neighbors? What are the ways that scripture defines being a neighbor? And so what we're going to do really, today's message is really quite simple. We're going to look at a number of passages that talk about different aspects of being neighborly. If you have any thoughts in the middle, feel free to, you know, kind of interject. Um, And then we're going to discuss at the end. And then there's a quote at the end as well that I think is timely for this message. So what does it mean to be a neighbor? What does scripture say? How does it point out? Well, if you want to turn to any of these, uh, um, Romans chapter 15, verse 2, and they're going to be pretty quick, so you know you can write them down or however you want to do it, but what does it mean to be a neighbor? How can we shoot to be like the Iraqi people and be uh, have kindness to strangers and kindness to each other and loving, yourself, loving neighbors like yourself? Well, Romans 15, chapter 2, or f- chapter 15, verse 2 says, each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. And so what I wrote down there is that being a neighbor means building others up. Look for ways to make people happy. Look for ways to lift people up. Look for ways to make their life better. Look for ways to strengthen them. It says to each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build them up. I think about I think about what would be my neighbor. If I look at my neighbors, literally the ones who, who live next to me, what could I do for them with them that would please them, that would build them up? What about a coworker? That's a neighbor to your office, right? Or a neighbor on the bus. You know, what could I do that would lift that person up to build someone up? Being a neighbor means building others up. The next one is Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 28 and 29. This is interesting. This is more of like a don't in some ways. Proverbs 3, 28 and 29. It says, don't say to your neighbor, go away, come back later. I'll give it to you tomorrow. When there is with you today, don't plan any harm against your neighbor for he trusts you and he lives near you. Don't say to your neighbor, go away, come back later. I'll give it to you tomorrow when it is there for you with you today. Now, Don't plan any harm against your neighbor, for he trusts you and lives near you. So being neighborly means building others up, but being a neighbor also means being present. And I think this is a challenge, a real challenge for me, is that I come home from work sometimes and I'll see my neighbor working in the garden or working on something or carrying something in from the groceries in the car or whatever, and I have my backpack on and I'm tired and I just got home from work and I want to go inside, and I could help him. I could do something, but I don't, you know? Um, and yet at the same time, I'm outside doing my lawn, you know, mowing and I'm looking at it and just lamenting over how my grass turned brown and my neighbor just walks over to the fence. He must've seen or heard me. And out of the blue, he just walks over to me and he says, Hey, I noticed your grass is turning brown. I think it might be grubs. I have some stuff in my, uh, in my garage. Would you like me to bring it out? And I can put it. I said, that would be great. He was more of a neighbor to me (laughs) in those moments, you know? Um, I think sometimes about like when I say things, and maybe you guys are like this, when we talk to our friends or to our neighbors, 
who maybe need us in their lives and we say, hey, we should get coffee. We should get together. We should, we should do that. You know, oh yeah, yeah, next week, you know, two weeks from now. But it's an empty promise, right? Um, it says, don't say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll give it to you tomorrow when it is there with you now. And then it says to don't plan harm because they dwell trustingly next to you. I just think about that, the thoughtfulness about our choices, you know. Sometimes we even think about things like, I want to vote on, a, on an order. I was thinking about this um, when, when I voted a couple weeks ago. There, was a, there were two things um, on, on the two, two orders of business. And I don't, I don't want to get political, but I just want to, I want to kind of ex- just help you understand my line of thinking and how it relates to this passage of Scripture. Sometimes when you vote, right, there's, there, I can't even think, what's the word? There's a, a line item that you vote on whether or not a measure, measure that you want to either say yes to or no to. Well, one of them was um, creating rights for criminals, right? It was allowing um, individuals who, uh, I can't remember exactly, but it had to do with um, making life a little bit simpler for people so that the, it wasn't so punishing on, on individuals. Cause, and then the other one was uh, setting up a park uh, trust fund um, which would have raised taxes. And I found myself, as most of us do, originally thinking, well, what do I want to do, right? And, but then I kind of felt like this scripture kind of came up in my heart, like the Spirit of God said, but it's not just what you want when you vote. Think about how this will affect your neighbors. Think about how this will affect the rest of the city. Is this a good thing for everyone? And, and again, I don't want to get political or any of those kinds of things. I don't think that's the place. What I'm just trying to say is I think that's what this is, is that sometimes we do things, we make choices about what we want, even literally in our yard, for example, that maybe we share something with another person. When it says, don't plan harm against your neighbor for he trusts you and lives near you. I don't know, that's such a vague concept, but I just think there's something about being neighborly, which means when you think about what you want your life to be like, don't just think of yourself in a vacuum. Think about the people that you are surrounded by. I don't know, whatever that is there for you, that's what that part says. So being a neighbor means being present, not just isolated, but being present in in the lives of those around you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says, Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Does anybody know what that's called? The golden rule. If anybody who grew up in church, you probably heard it said, do unto others as you would like them to do unto you, because that's like the old school, like King James Version, right? Right. But uh, this version says, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. By the way, there it is again law, (laughs) a command, right? This is the golden rule. So here's what I would say. Ask yourself this. What would I want someone to do for me? We'll do that thing for them. If you come across a homeless person who says, I'm hungry. Can you help me get some food to eat? Imagine for yourself in the moment. What if you were hungry? Would you want someone to give you food? What if what if you were outside, you know, like trying to like rip up your garden and it was just a lot of work and you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, I wish there was somebody out here helping me. And now next time you see your neighbor doing the same thing, perhaps you should do the same. Like, what is it that you would like someone to do for you in your moment of need or just in any kind of moment? If you come across a moment where you see somebody, think about what is it that I would like in that circumstance and do that thing for them. So being a neighbor means building others up. Being a neighbor means being present. 
And being a neighbor means being considerate. It means being considerate of the needs of others and thinking about it. And I think that's really what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, right? This idea of love your neighbor as yourself. What is it that they need? I would want the same thing. I'm going to do that for them. Next, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality. For by doing so, this, by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality. For by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. I think this just means that being a neighbor means being hospitable. It means opening your home to other people. It means welcoming people in. It means um, buying people coffee. It means offering them lunch. It means sharing what you have with people when they don't have. Um, there's all sorts of ways to be hospitable. I think it means having an open hand, you know, like living life with an open hand. And all of these sound great, but they're, they're hard to do when you get wrapped up in your own day. I get, I get so wrapped up in what I'm doing that I don't think about it. And sometimes I actually hear someone expressing a need and I just kind of ignore it. Oh, shame on me. Like I, I like, has anyone else ever had that? You just kind of like pretend like you didn't hear it? Like, and, 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 and this is not meant to be guilt. What this is, this is meant to be is a challenge upon ourselves to be, if we are truly called to be neighbors, to love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, when's the last time you said, you know, I need this thing and didn't go out and get it for yourself? you know, or go out and fix that need for yourself. We don't live, unless absolutely necessary, we don't live in lack very long, you know, and yet we're willing to let our neighbors live in lack. Um, and that's a challenge for me, is being a neighbor means being hospitable and not just, not just to our friends, because it does say brotherly love, but listen at the end, it says hospitality to strangers. You can't entertain an angel if you know the person, because I know that you're not an angel, <laughs> you know? Um, so somehow, well, unless you've been hiding as one for the last 31 years, um, but, but, uh, and I know that ain't true. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Sorry. That was my sister, everyone. (laughs) Um, but in order to entertain an angel means that you have to meet someone that you didn't know, right? And be hospitable to them. And so... I think that's an even greater challenge is when you hear needs or when you see somebody that you maybe don't know, um, welcoming them. I, I'm challenged by that when, um, when people need a place to stay, you know, or those kinds of things. Like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't want you in my house. I just kind of, I want my own space. I like to do my own thing at night, you know, like, like, so when I think about the Iraqis, right, and this brings us back to we're almost at Christmas time, but we talked about this, I think, last Christmas when uh, Mary and Joseph were making their way to Bethlehem, right? Like, the story is told that they're in, like, a, in, a, in a manger. That's not really the case. They were in the guest space of a home of people who were there, maybe family or possibly even just, like, like individuals in the town. And Middle Eastern hospitality is such, as we saw in our quote, is such that when someone was in need and comes into your town and knocks and says, will you help? Middle Eastern hospitality says, come into my home. I will feed you. I will give you lodging, even if I don't know you. 
That's what is so radical about that hospitality. So for us to be like, well, I'll give three bucks to the homeless guy because I have spare change is a far cry from, you know, somebody who's walking down the street and is like, and doesn't have anywhere to stay, or you're seeing them and you say, do you need a place to stay and welcoming them into your home? Now I recognize there are all sorts of, you know, you got to be careful and we want to be safe. And I, and I'm not, saying you got to welcome everybody at all times and all that, but it could be something as simple as you just see someone walking down a long road and offering them a ride, you know? I mean, there's all sorts of ways to be hospitable to strangers. I'm just saying, again, the, again, the challenge, the challenge of it, like, do we, are we willing to, to, are we willing to follow the command of our Lord and Savior despite potentially our own peril because we are to call to show radical love to our worlds and to be neighborly? Being a neighbor means being hospitable. Proverbs 19, verse 17, kindness to the poor. Proverbs 19, 17, kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord and he will reward to the lender and he will give a reward to the lender. Kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord and he will give a reward to the lender. So being a neighbor means taking care of the poor and the marginalized. This is about generosity to the poor. But it really is about lending to the Lord, right? So you're like, but God, I need that money. And it's like giving God a loan. And he promises to repay. And I've heard people say this before, and it's so true, is you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. And again, this is thinking spiritually. This is thinking with God's eyes and not thinking with my budget, not thinking with my checkbook, not thinking with my virtual wallet, right? Like when I see a need taking care of the poor, I have to say, I'm loaning to the Lord, which really he's already given me if we're real about it. Like everything we have, the scriptures teaches that become, become from the Lord. So when I give to the poor, when I take care of the marginalized, when I give to those who don't have, I'm lending to the Lord and it says, and then it says, and he will give a reward to the lender. Like he will pay you back. It may not be literally dollars for cents, but he will take care of. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. My mom loves to quote that passage of scripture. My mom has, um, my mom is, is the master budgeter. And she loves to tell this story that they've never missed a bill. And I think that's a lofty goal that many of us probably will never aspire to. But, but the point is, is that my mom has lived a life where her mantra is, great is thy faithfulness. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. My mother believes it to her core. She's the most generous person that I know. She will give any time there is a need, dis- like, like even to her own lack, because she knows and has seen time and time and time again that the Lord will repay. And he always does. So again, let that be a challenge to you. I'm not telling you here to tell you exactly how to do it. What I am saying is, is allow it to be a challenge for you. God, I want to trust you. I want to lend to you. I know that you will repay. I know that you will reward. I will be generous. I will take care of the poor and the marginalized. Being a neighbor means taking care of the poor and marginalized. Matthew 5, 16. We have three more. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Well, being a neighbor, let's just recap real quick. Being a neighbor means building others up. Being a neighbor means being present. Being a neighbor means being considerate. It means being hospitable. It means taking care of the poor and the marginalized. And being a neighbor means being evangelistic. Listen, I want you guys to hear this. We don't think of being neighborly as evangelism. 
And oftentimes we separate them and we love to go out and serve the homeless. We love to go to soup kitchens. We love to go on like, uh, like rebuild houses with Habitat for Humanity, right? We love to do all of those kinds of things. But the moment we say, we're going to go out and we're going to pray for the, for, the, for the people in the streets or we're going to um, go on a missions trip and we're going to like, you know, go to the towns and we're going to proclaim the gospel. People like bristle, bristle at it they, because it's uncomfortable, right? We have not been taught how to do it. But listen to what it says here. In, in, uh, in Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Being a neighbor means being evangelistic. Being a neighbor includes giving them Jesus, showing them the source of your good works. So yes, go build houses. Yes, like serve the homeless and the poor. Yes, welcome the refugee. Yes, like, you know, do all of the things that with our hands that God has given us. Let's do those things. But let's be clear that we're the body of Christ. Let's be clear that we are church of Jesus Christ. Let's be clear that I do what I do for you because Jesus Christ has done it for me. Let's find ways to be intentional about bringing the name of Jesus into our situation. Why? Because frankly, the rest of the world already does nice things for people. And they're not getting any closer to our creator. We need to let them know, and it has to be coupled with obviously the rest of our heart. We can't just be kind here and then be vile here, which is, again, I don't want to get political, but this is part of why people are so frustrated with Christians in our society today, is they'll elect leaders who are godless individuals in their behaviors, and I'm not just talking about one person, like, like people who are hypocritical in the way, that they, the way that they lead, the decisions that they make, and they proclaim the name of Jesus in their speeches, and yet they are vile towards people who are marginalized and people who, are, who, are, who don't have. And people who are like that see them and say, I don't want that Jesus. I don't want that. I don't want anything to do with that. And then it makes our lives, we get it, it makes our lives harder as Christians who are trying to honestly live according to the gospel and trying to let it transform us. And when we try to tell our friends, you know, like, I, I just want you to come to, to church with me because I think that you'll find something there you can't find anywhere else. And, and they, they just be like, I don't want to hear about that. And that's, I get it. But that's not an excuse for us to, to stop telling them. And in fact, just this week, I was so, I was so challenged by it. And guys, I'm telling you, I'm just honest with you. Every week I get challenged and I, I try really hard to like remember throughout the week to like put things into practice, to, be, to move further down the road in this area. But this week again, right? So Star Wars The Mandalorian just came out, right? It's on, it's on Disney+. Plus. People are talking about it all over the place. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Um, it's, it <laughs> um, but like I was struck by every conversation all week. People like me, have you been watching Disney Plus? Did you see The Mandalorian? Right? And, and then people go, no, what is that? And then they start talking about it, right? And they're so excited about it. And I couldn't, I just, in that moment, I'm telling you, this is not a Jesus juke. I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, that's exactly it right there. Why is it that my people aren't as excited about Jesus? And I don't mean that in a cliche because, guys, I've grown up in the church all my life and it's always like, if we're as excited about Jesus as we were about our football team, that's not what I'm trying to say. But there is some truth to it. There is some truth to it. Do I find ways? Do I search for ways? Am I hungry to let people know that the source of my life is Jesus Christ? Do I? Not, Not really. Not unless you're sitting in my living room on a Sunday morning. You know what I mean? Like, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works 
and give glory to your Father in heaven. Yes, go out and do the wonderful works that Jesus has called you to do to be a neighbor. But let's be clear. Let's make sure that they know it's because of Jesus Christ. And that that it's not enough to simply build homes or to give money to the poor because they will still be poor and they will still just be living in a house with an empty, meaningless life if they don't have the Spirit of Jesus Christ with them. So I just want to, that was my little soapbox there. Isaiah 117, we're going to wrap up quickly here. Learn to do what is good. This kind of goes along with some of the other ones. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Being a neighbor means seeking social justice. But this is the other side of it, right? Evangelism is giving people Jesus, but being a neighbor is not just evangelism. It is putting putting actual work. It is doing the work against injustice and against oppression. So that's, again, pretty clear. Pursue justice. That means to seek it out. It means to go after it, to make sure to uncover things that are hiding it. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. That's Uncle Bob in your house, right? That's like somebody at work who's making a discriminatory decision, right? That means voting against oppressive politicians. That means changing the laws and fighting for those things. Defend the rights of the fatherless. That means standing up for children in the orphanages or kids who are being in abusive homes. That means plead the widow's cause because oftentimes people who don't have a caretaker are oftentimes taken advantage of or forgotten. These are, these are the things that God cares about the most. Over and over and over again in Scripture, we see him talking about the widow, the foreigner, the, the alien, the resident alien, the, the poor, the marginalized marginalized. Those people, the orphans and the widows, those are the ones that God cares most about. So there's a clue, hint, hint, next week we should probably be talking about some of those areas. (laughs) But being a neighbor means seeking social justice. Learn to do good. Seek justice and correct oppression. And finally, Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28, he says this, but I say to you who listen, love your enemies Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. So I want to recap real quick our our summary of all the things of what it means to be a neighbor. And then we're going to kind of cap it with this last one. Building up, right? Being a neighbor means building people up. Being a neighbor means being present. It means being considerate of others. It means being hospitable to the stranger and to our neighbors. It means being uh, right, raising up and taking care of the poor and the marginalized. It means being evangelistic. It means seeking social justice. And being a neighbor means being neighborly in the hardest moments. I say to you, love your enemies. That's really hard. Do what is good to those who hate you. I don't want to do that. Jesus, I do not want to do something nice for someone who hates me, who goes out of their way to make my life miserable. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. That means not praying for, their, for, for God to like bring their world down. That means praying for God to, to shine his light on them, to show his love and his mercy and his grace on them. And pray for those who mistreat you. Being a neighbor means being persistent, doing, doing, being neighborly in the hardest of moments. Being a neighbor means doing for someone else what we would want done for us in that moment. So when you ask the question, what does it mean to be a neighbor? 
in any circumstance, the question is, what would I want done to me in that circumstance? And trying your best to do that for them or contribute to it in whatever way you can. Um, there are a lot of ways, right? I mean, the Bible was not written so that it would be literally do A, B, and C. It's much more principle-based. It's much more like do the essence of these things and use your God-given brains to think about it. And so that's what makes it hard. And that's also why there's gray area for us to ignore people or to, you know, to choose. Some people devote their entire lives to going across the world and, you know, like Mother Teresa, Right? Are all of us called to do exactly what Mother Teresa did? I don't think so. Because if everyone did that, then, then no one would, there would be no industry. There would be nothing. So all of us are called to be neighbors in the circles and the path that we walk every day, the routine, right? Like from point A to B and back again. Like how can we be neighbors in those spaces? I want to close with this quote and then we'll, uh, and then we'll do uh, just a little bit of discussion here. This is from Mr. Rogers himself. I believe that appreciation is a holy thing. I'm going to say that again. I believe that appreciation is a holy thing. That when we look for what's best in a person we happen to be with at the moment, we're doing what God does all the time. So in loving and appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something sacred. I love that. Like, and I think, right, as we close the teaching portion of this series, we think about Mr. Rogers, right? It sounds silly to make a sermon series based on Mr. Rogers. It's really, we know, again, right, it's based that he lived his life based on the teachings that we find in Scripture, but he's just such a perfect example of being a neighbor. That when he says that, like, he sees being a neighbor as a sacred, holy act, it's because we're participating in what God does already. I think that's beautiful. And so maybe that adds something for you guys, you know, to help you just remember like that. And Jesus even said it, whenever you do that for me, give a cold cup of water or you give clothes to someone or you give them money or you help them, or you take care, you're doing it for me. It's a sacred thing. It's a beautiful thing. God cares about every person. God loves my neighbors. God loves the, the people who are in office. God loves the people in other nations, people who are violent, people who are criminals. I mean, also, he loves all of them, and it breaks his heart that they do those things. And he has sent us to help in any ways that we can. Let's be neighbors to each other. And when we do, we participate in something sacred. Let's pray. Father, um, neighborly is something that sounds like simple. You know, it sounds easy, like, oh, like a like a message that is uh, like a feel-good thing. Yeah, let's all be kind to each other and be neighbors. But it's actually, when I really get down to it, it's very, very challenging. It's hard. We ask the question already, who is my neighbor? Because our nature is to not be neighborly. Our nature is to divide. Our nature is to separate. It is to stick with what we know and what we like and what we're comfortable with. And then it leaves divisions and it leaves lines and those who do not have, and all of those things. And then on top of it, there are so many ways to be a neighbor, and, and it requires us to be intentional. It requires us to give of ourselves, to take less time for ourselves, and give more to others. And It's hard stuff, and yet it is a command to love your neighbor as yourself. God, we just open ourselves to you. We, we want to be neighbors. We want to be better at it. We want to be good at it. We want to be kind. We want to be present. We want to be considerate. We want to be hospitable. All of these things, God. 
Uh, would you just open our hearts to hear you speaking to us? Allow your word to challenge us and to transform us so that we would take steps, even small steps every day towards being a true godly neighbor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.